We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hi, I'm Joe Connolly, along with producer Neil A. Caruso, with Katie Mullenkamp the owner of a Brooklyn fitness studio, The Bar, which is called a hip and upbeat fitness studio. We will get to that. But first, we're going to start with the fact that Katie says for her industry, the fitness business, the pandemic is not even close to being over. What's the situation you're in right now, Katie? Well, thank you very much for having me on the show. Um, I'm really happy to be here. The situation that I'm facing, and I don't think I'm alone in terms of other fitness studios and gyms in New York and around the country, is um, we're allowed to be open. We're allowed to operate our businesses as they were intended to operate. Um, For me, that happened very recently, just on March 22nd, New York City, which was one of the very, very last um, municipalities to allow fitness classes, allowed us to operate. But we're only allowed to operate at 33%. Um, and so we, our business is not back to normal. Our clients, clients are coming back. We're having our um, prior clients come back. We're having new clients come back. But not nearly the same number that we had pre-pandemic. And even if we did have that um, number of clients coming back, we wouldn't be able to fit them in at 33% capacity. So we're really in a situation where we're just starting to be able to ramp up um, and hopefully get back to normal. And and for us, there's still a lot of unknowns as to are we ever going to really be able to get back to where we were pre-pandemic. How are you surviving, Katie? Financially, yeah, yeah, yeah. both, both, right, (laughs) yeah, for all of us, um, you know, it's been an emotional roller coaster. Um, and financially, the only reason that that my two fitness studios in Brooklyn are still operating is um, because I received a PPP loan, two PPP loans from um, the federal government. Um, I uh, have also gotten some relief from the SBA because I, I have loans that I, um, you know, use to open the studios. So the SBA on the federal level, the Small Business Administration has given me some relief in terms of paying back those loans for a limited amount of time. And then the third main reason is that I've had been able to negotiate some relief from my landlords, um, particularly in New York City, and particularly when you're um, a business that requires such a large amount of physical space to operate, your rent is um, a very high fixed cost for you. So if uh, my landlords have um, given me, you know, some relief in that area. And, and those are the reasons that I've survived financially. You've done a lot. Are, are you hopeful or are you confident that the business will come back and be profitable? I'm hopeful because I have to be. Um, I'm sometimes confident and sometimes not. Um, I am very hopeful that we'll will continue to grow uh, and get back to, um, 
maybe close to, to what we were doing pre-pandemic. Do I think we'll ever reach that level? I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I do believe, and I believe this for many months, that um, coming out of the pandemic, people are going to be very much want to be around other people physically um, and be in spaces where other people are doing similar things to them. I think that's a very human desire. Um, and we have heard that from being open that a lot of our clients are so what, the biggest reason they're so relieved to be back is because they're around other people and they're being held accountable to their physical goals. Um, and even if they don't know everybody in the room or even know anybody in the room with them, they feel a sense of camaraderie, a sense of purpose, um, a sense of belonging, a sense of community. And that's really what gyms and fitness centers offer as well. It's not just about you know getting thinner or toning up. It's really feeling like you're part of a community of other people that have similar goals. And I think that that not just for me and my team, but obviously for our clients as well, that that loss in the past year has really impacted people on an emotional and intellectual level. Neil. Kenny, what will you need to do? You know, what do you need right now at this current pace of reopening, which has been slow in your industry? We need more support from the government. Um, I, you know, I, I think the federal government is probably the best positioned government as opposed to local and state to continue to support this industry financially. Um, there is a bill called the Gyms Act, which um, has close to 100 sponsors right now um, in Congress. And what it would do is simply provide the same earmarked relief that the restaurant industry and the live venues industry have already received in the last bill that was passed. Um, you know, and I'm really glad for those industries. They were impacted tremendously, but the fitness industry has been impacted as well. And I think we feel left out, you know, um, you know, why we haven't gotten additional funds um, to survive. So I'm, I'm working with my other co-franchisees and my franchise company and, and others in the fitness community to talk to our legislators about why it's so important to continue to support us, especially because, you know, the fitness industry actually, it's slower in the summer months, you know, which is a very like nuanced thing that people would think of. Um, so we're, you know, after May or June, we hit a slower period, you know, generally between July and September. Um, so I, I'm afraid that a lot of, um, fit, you know, fitness studios and gyms won't make it if there's not fi additional financial help past that time period, because it, it will be a little bit slower just in general because of the season. I notice you offer online classes. Is that viable long term? You know, it really helped during the pandemic uh, initially, um, and then it started to fade. Um, we definitely still have some folks doing it. Uh, I think I see it more as a supplement. I think um, working out online works for a certain subset of people, uh, particularly people who have more space in their um, homes. In New York City, we, we live we tend to live in smaller spaces, so it's a little bit harder to work out. Um, and I do see it as um, a smaller segment of the population can continue to do it. It's it's a more affordable way to do it, uh, but you're not going to be um, held accountable. You're not going to have that community. You're not going to have that one-on-one -on -one attention that our instructors provide for you. So it's really not the same experience. Right. Um, so I, I don't think it's going to go away. It existed pre-pandemic. I think like many things, the pandemic simply sped sped things up, right, that were already sort of happening. So I see that with online fitness as well. It sped it up. It, it um, brought much more attention to companies that already do this, created more companies that do it, and it, it'll keep going. But do I think that 
And look, I mean, you know, in-person fitness is just like in-person anything. It's like I was talking about before, we're human beings. We, we, we have a fundamental desire to be around other people. And um, fitness is just one aspect of it. And I definitely think there's pent up craving for that. And I think we're going to get back to that. Um, and then it'll smooth out and go back to normal. That, that's my guess um, if I had a crystal ball. So people do love these classes. And anecdotally, it seems like people enjoy working out at home as well. Uh, is there a sweet spot there? Have these classes improved to where people are able to utilize your instruction, but do it virtually for this point in time? Yeah, people have definitely taken advantage of both. Uh, we right now we offer in-person classes, but also um, online classes as well. And some people do both. But I generally find that people either prefer one or the other. And people who come back in person generally just do the in-person because they see, um, they feel and see the value of being in person much more. So I, I do think it can it can work for a small subset of people. Both are are important. Let's talk about fitness. As I understand it, the bar method involves very small, concentrated muscle movements as opposed to a big barbell type of yeah. a movement. Yes. <laughs> Boy, that's a really <laughs> rough description. Explain it to <laughs> us. Yeah. Well, you no, you're, hi you're hired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us. Um, yeah, it's we call it it's called isometric motions. So the, I didn't develop the the uh, the method, but it's an interval workout. So we do um, strengthening moves, then stretching, then strengthening, then stretching throughout the class, either about forty five minutes or about an hour. Um, and we use very small motions um, for a couple of reasons, primarily to target very specific muscle groups and work them to exhaustion. So sometimes you'll see people shaking in the class and that's their muscles grasping for air. Um, and so it, it targets the muscle very specifically. And then secondly, it makes the, um, the exercises much safer, which we're really focused on, um, using momentum to lift weights or lift your body weight. Um, is more likely to cause injury because you're involving other muscle groups that we're not really targeting. So it does, that method does keep your joints and your muscles safe. And that's uh, one big reason why our clients like it, whether they're 21 or 81. Um, but it's also very effective, the small motions, because when we say, okay, now we're gonna work your quad muscles and we get down and do these tiny little motions, it goes right after your quads. I mean, if you do it you know, a few times a, a week for several weeks, like you're gonna see a change in your body. Do you do health and nutrition counseling too, or maybe just as a natural aside? What other markets can you go into? Yeah, I don't do anything like that. No. Um, I love my chocolate and um, occasional <laughs> junk food. So um, I, I do think, you know, what we have done in my Williamsburg studios, we started offering meditation classes, um, which um, my partner over there um leads meditation classes, which I know I've heard in, you know, industry magazines and stuff like that, that that's, you know, up and coming much more too, because of what I was saying before, the sort of mental impact that, 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 it, that the pandemic has had on people. Another trend, so to speak, that existed before, but the pandemic sort of sped up. So um, in terms of wellness and, you know, holistically speaking, that's all that we've offered. But I do know that a lot of fitness concepts are starting to think about how, how can I incorporate some other aspects of health and wellness to supplement um, my income now and into the future? Because I think there's, you know, there's a huge um, gr generational group that's looking for those outlets.
Sure. Katie, do you own all the franchises in Brooklyn? All of them. All two of them. So yeah. I'm curious from a you know franchisee standpoint, what do you think is the future of you know the gym franchise? Are there new barriers to entry because of the pandemic or have you know rules been broken? I think, you know, I, my guess is that people might think uh, again about opening a brick and mortar business. I don't know. You know, I think the franchise model can lower barriers to entry because it creates a, a, a it, it's a service or a product that is known to do well in certain, at least in certain markets. Um, and if you can operationalize it, you can generally be successful. Um, so I'm not sure it's the franchise model, but it might be that, you know, small businesses, particularly in high cost markets like New York City, you know, you might think twice about opening up some sort of business, especially one that's service oriented for people. Um, you know, am, am I going to make it? Like, is another pandemic going to hit and, you know, I'm going to go under? I mean, obviously, as everybody knows, we've lost a ton of small businesses. And I think that that probably has resounding impacts on, on people, on entrepreneurs. Um, but look, it could go the other way. We could see a surge, you know, in the next handful of, of years here. And, um, uh, and it could, it could encourage more people to get into the game. You know, it's just one of those things I'm finding that <laughs> there's so many unanswered questions and experts in every field are sort of like, I don't know, you know, I mean, that's, that's the one known is that the pandemic has really caused everybody to, to say, I, I don't really know. This is, this is unprecedented. Could go either way. If some fitness places close though, my impression is you have a pretty good shot of being one of the people who would pick up some of their business, Katie? Maybe, yeah. And it's sort of a morbid way to look at it. Um, you know, and it also, you know, once those gaps open up, I think, again, particularly in markets like New York City, they, they tend to fill in with folks. Like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of retail, retail commercial uh, real estate places, you know, empty right now. And so it's driving you know, rental rates down, I think. And so you know, new businesses are seeing that opportunity and coming in and, you know, giving it a try. So um, that could cause a surge in, um, you know, brick and mortar fitness businesses. But yeah, I mean, a lot of my, um, it's not my colleagues because it's other businesses, but a lot of other fitness um, businesses have closed. And I'll be honest, like, in you know, in it's it's actually been really depressing. Um, and there was a, a long period of time where it was very, very hard. And also bar methods around the country closed. A ton of them closed um, initially in the, wa in the wave, um, in the pandemic. And um, it's not, and even my competitors, you know, it's not a good feeling because it, it's sort of, you feel their pain and you sort of feel like your industry is sinking. Um, so yeah, I guess on the bright side, there's a possibility that the market opens up. Um, and there's there's more folks that would want to try our method, but um, it doesn't feel that great. I got to be honest. Well, that's a beautiful facility behind you. It's around eleven o'clock in the morning when we record this. Normally, would that be crowded, or you're more busy in the evening, or what would normally be happening there? Uh, we would normally have a class starting in ten minutes. We used to have an eleven a.m. Um, certainly, I mean, I I think in this studio alone, I I used to operate about 80, 80 classes a week. Wow. Um, and we're down to, um, 
about half that, a little less than half that. And we could fit um, close to 30 people in this room. Um, and now we're only putting 10. One last for me, Katie, and, you know, sounds like great exercise. Um, you mentioned earlier about the landlord and something Joe and I have been covering is, you know, how do you negotiate with landlords right now? And obviously every situation is different, but tell us about your experience there. You know, was it, um, you know, how did you present that or approach that negotiation there? I will say that the negotiating process began the moment that I shut down in mid-March um, of 2020, and it continues to today. So it's uh, very much an ongoing process um, with a lot at stake, obviously, for those of us involved. Um, and um, I think everybody's dealt with it in very different ways. I mean, I'll be honest, as a side note, that's one of the things that I think has been the most unfair in this pandemic is that a lot of the businesses that have not made it, it's been because their landlords have not been willing to negotiate with them. Um, so it, it doesn't seem fair. I've been in a situation where uh, that has worked, although it hasn't come easily. Um, it's been a lot of communication with both of my landlords, um, showing them all of my financials. I continue to do that. Um, just so they could see where I'm at um, and sort of like the reduced rental rate that I'm getting can be justified. It's a lot of back and forth. Um, they obviously have their own obligations or responsibilities. Um, you know, I think both uh, both entities are getting help in, in various ways, whether it's from the bank or the federal government or whatever. But, um, you know, at times it's been contentious. Uh, there, it's been very stressful for everybody involved. And so there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of money involved. For me, it's a lot of money. On their level, it's a lot of money. They're dealing with multiple buildings, multiple tenants. Um, so it's been a lot of push and pull, a lot of back and forth, pretty messy, um, right? Uh, and I think, you know, in, in and I did come to formal agreements in my situation, at least for a period of time where we had addendums to my lease contracts, which have now expired, but um, we're continue, I'm continuing to work with them. And now it's on a month to month basis because again, the pandemic has just taken us in so many different directions and um, surprised us all in so many ways that it's the timing of it is also hard. I mean, I think every month my landlords are like, you're going to get back to where you were. It's all over. And I'm like, is it, you know? And so, um, and sure enough, it's not, uh, you know, not that I want to be right in this situation, but um, so it's just been, it's been ongoing. I'm still in negotiation with them. I honestly don't really know what's going to happen on May 1st, but, but there have been periods of time where it's been an agreement for a series of months. Are people getting about a third off or sometimes more? From their rent? Yeah. I, you know, I think it, I don't know everybody's individual um, situations, but I really think it totally runs the gamut. Some landlords are giving a few free months and then you owe them everything. Um, you know, some are giving a per certain percentage off. Some people are trying to base it on like, what's my capacity mandate for, this isn't my situation, but like my capacity mandate is 33%. And so they're saying, oh, well, I'll pay 33% of my, you know, my rental rate. Um, you know, it's just, that's part of the problem is that it's like as small business owners, as tenants, I think we feel, you know, our leverage is like, well, if you can either take what I can give you, or I'm going to vacate the space and then you'll probably have nothing because the commercial market is so bad. And, and what do they say when you say, who, who are you going to get to go in here instead of me? What do the landlords say? Well, it's a little more delicate than that. You know, I do, I would try to maintain, you know, I have long 
multi-year relationships with these folks. So, you know, you try to keep it above board. Um, but there is that undertone of like, look, I mean, if I don't have, I, I think that's the undertone of all of my negotiating with them is that, and I think they get it. I mean, these are smart people, right? It's kind of like, okay, well, if you don't lower it to about the amount that I'm talking about, like this business isn't viable. You, here's my financial statements. I'm not hiding anything. Um, this is the situation. And I think that, that that tone that you're referring to is what's enabled me to get the discounts that I have been able to get. I bet you run a great fitness studio. And yeah. I bet you're going to do well. It's been oh, great to... It's been great to talk to you, Katie Mullenkamp. And the name of both of your studios in Brooklyn are what? The same? Yeah, they're both the bar method. One is in Cobble Hill and one is in Williamsburg um, in Brooklyn. And, you know, if you're looking for something a little bit different from the normal gym and fitness studio, check out the bar method and, and go in and say hi to Katie. It's been yeah. real good to talk to you. Good Thank luck, you. Katie. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's been great to talk to you both. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.